Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Stephanie McCullough. Stephanie, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Stephanie is the founder and CEO of Sophia Financial. Her goal is to empower people to make wise financial decisions, alleviate stress, so they can focus on what's truly important to them. I'm excited to have you on. Stephanie, tell us a little bit more about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So I have been doing this for 22 years now, which is kind of scary to realize. (laughs) Um, During that time, I managed to have two kids and uh, a long marriage. And um, why I do what I do, you know, it's been such a fascinating um, journey. I started in this profession because we were moving back to the area I grew up, which is the Philadelphia area. My husband got a job and I thought, what could I do? I guess I could go work with my dad after having grown up never wanting to do what he did. Um, So I joined his firm, investments and financial planning firm 22 years ago and really kind of had a crisis like, oh gosh, I'm not a natural born salesperson (laughs) and I don't have an MBA, so how could I do this work? Because that was the only model I had. Yeah. Um, So fortunately I got to work on quite a few retirement plans and non-qualified plans, basically meeting one-on-one with people to help them understand the plan. I didn't have to go out and sell, basically, but I got to have financial planning type conversations. So that was definitely a blessing. Um, And then I found some training by George Kinder. Um, I found some other folks in the industry that were doing much more the, what I call the touchy-feely side of things. You know, what's what's money mean to you? What, what is important to you? How can we line this up to support your life? And I thought, oh, I can do it that way. <laughs> I like that way better. So it's been an evolution. And then about nine years ago, I started my own practice, which I called Sophia Financial. Sophia means wisdom in Greek. And I'm really focused on working with professional women, kind of Gen X and baby boomer are my people, um, really talking about, you know, all the ways that money intersects with your life and, and helping my clients make wise decisions. Got it. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And life is sure a funny thing, isn't it, Stephanie? Yes. You just never know. You never know what it's going to take us. But it's cool that uh, you got, for lack of a better term, your foot in the door, um, and then you were able to find your pathway and 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 the way that that you like to to help people to become successful. And you know, for my money, I think I think that it's the right way to go about it. I think talking about the human side of money is is so, so important. Absolutely. And what I find when I share this with people, I love speaking with women's groups especially, people don't know this stuff. Um, There's a ton of research out there about how human beings are wired to be bad at money and investing. And when I share that, I find the whole audience kind of, you know, you see the shoulders relax, like, Oh, it's it's not a character flaw <laughs> that I've made these errors. It's totally not. It's scientifically provable and it's fascinating. 
Yeah, that is, isn't that funny? It's it's not it's not just you. It's it's the yeah. rest of us people too that, that that have a hard time with this. Well, to talk to us a little bit about how how it is that 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 we're we are hardwired to to make bad decisions or just to be bad with money. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. Um, one of the biggest takeaways to me is to recognize that money decisions are emotional, not just logical. You know, I remember taking Econ 101, which was the only class I ever fell asleep in in undergrad. Um, <laughs> and it was it was all about the rational man, quote unquote, this model that when human beings face decisions about limited resources, of which money is usually one, um, you know, they're coolly weighing the pros and cons of every decision. And that's baloney, right? The, the giant For revelation sure. of behavioral finance was to bring the psychology into it and be like, oh, you mean human beings aren't you know, cool, rational actors in other areas of their life, why would we be super, you know, cool and rational about money? Of course not. Money touches all the most important parts of our lives. So of course, it's going to be emotional. And I feel like maybe, you know, the financial advisor industry doesn't necessarily do a very good job of, of recognizing that fact and acknowledging that in their conversations with clients. It's such a funny thing, too, because if we lived in a vacuum where everything just went the way we expected it, I really don't know that there would be a need for for me, um, and I just I I think that if in fact people made rational decisions, they would simply buy low and sell high and save more money than uh, than than they spent, and everything would be fine. So, but apparently, to your point, the industry does not talk enough about this stuff. So it turns out I'm wrong. But <laughs> well, exactly right. I mean, I think it's why. <laughs> Like you say, a lot of the, the financial advice is, is relatively simple. Buy low, sell high, spend less than you make, but that's not easy. And that comes down to all the stuff that's floating around in our heads around money. And that's, that, for my, I, I think that that's the opportunity, right? It's like, okay, yes. I've come to this fork in the road for whatever, and now I have an opportunity to make a great decision or I have the opportunity to make a bad decision and recognizing that my brain is probably telling me to make the wrong one. How do I overcome that? Exactly. I think that's the first step is that awareness. And that's why some some knowledge about this stuff is very helpful because you can stop yourself and be like, oh, oh, I was going to do that thing that I always do. Now I can make an intentional choice about it. One of my favorite speakers I got to hear years ago was Mayor Statman. He's a professor at Santa Clara University, and he's a big researcher on behavioral finance. But the part that I loved was when he talked about how things have three levels of value, right? So, for example, if I buy a pair of shoes, it's got three levels of value. One is utilitarian. It's going to protect my feet when I walk out on the street. The other is expressive. So what do I think this particular pair of shoes says about me to you? And then the third, the third level is emotional. How does this pair of shoes make me feel, right? I think if those things didn't exist, we'd have a lot of boring shoes out there in the world. We would have a lot of boring shoes and a lot of boring cars and a, yeah. lot, of boring, <laughs> a lot of boring everything, right? Well, I think yep. that that's very interesting. I don't know that I've ever heard uh, heard that broken down before. What, what was the name of that person? Mayor Statman, M-E-I-R, yeah. S-T-A-T-M-A-N. So, how do you think that that people can take that information and 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 put that to work? Yeah. Um, the other big thing that I try to tell people is, you know, there's no judgment, right? I mm. mean, as long as 
you're spending less than you actually have, right? Because otherwise you get into debt. I, I don't care where you spend your money. There's no judgment from me on that part, right? I met a woman once who was very, very much lower income and she spent a huge proportion of her income on sending her grandson to baseball camp every year because that meant so much to her to be able to do that for him. Wow. That's awesome. But yeah. she made that conscious decision and she cut back in other areas of her life. So I feel like just being aware, you know, what is this instinct that's telling me to buy that car as opposed to this boring one over here? Oh, it's it's these things. Unpack it a little bit. And you may very well go ahead and make the same decision, but at least you've thought it through and done it mindfully. And do you think that that's something that once the light gets turned on, we we train ourselves to to watch for those, I, I guess, emotions that pop up if I'm choosing to make a really small purchase or if I'm making a larger purchase? How how, how does that actually work in day to day life? Yeah, you know, I think it can be, but I think we still have to, to be kind of vigilant about it because we're going to slip back into our patterns. Um, you know, I think we all have, have patterns around money. And while I do say that, you know, bringing a level of awareness to it is important, you know, a hard day hits you and it's super easy to slip back into a pattern mm -hmm. again without being conscious. But I, I think the first step is you know, looking at your current behaviors, looking at past behaviors and kind of trying to surface the patterns and what might be behind them. Got it. All right. So and since we're talking about money, well, I guess it's it's really it's really our would, would you say it's best to just our, our, our consumption behavior? How 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 best to try to frame or are we looking at all of all, all of our behaviors? Yeah, I think it's I think it's. A lot of our behaviors, right? Um, it can be consumption, right? What are the things that we spend money on? It can be our savings, right? Do we value putting money towards our future? There's another fascinating research um, finding that you know they do those fMRI machines where they hook up all the the wires to your brain and and look at what parts of your brain light up when you're thinking about different things. There's two different parts of your brain that think about a reward in the present moment versus a future reward, right? They're two different systems, right. and the the system that thinks about the future reward is not as strong. So, yeah, you know, saving for the future, that's that's a definitely a challenge for us. Um, you know, giving. If we choose to give our money, what's going on there? You know, do we do we give to everyone who asks? Do we have a, a conscious strategy? Um, and then certainly investing. There's a lot of this stuff that happens when we try to invest. You know, there's statistics showing that the average investor doesn't even beat inflation, much less the market, because we get in these traps of greed and fear at the wrong times. Right. Yes. And traps of greed and fear. And I think we can probably link part of that back to the levels of value and, and I, I suppose lots of these things. A, a thought that I had as you were describing um, the fMRI machine and, and linking up to, to my brain to see what it would look like. Um, I, 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 a lot of the time will go negative and think that, um, well, probably people just will do the opposite and, 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 and not save enough and in fact, just consume for today. But the opposite is probably true of that, where there's probably some people out there that will want to sock away or save all of their money at 
the absolute expense of their current lifestyle and they could do that for their entire life and you know want to leave all of their money to their kids and leave and, and 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 lead such a spartan existence when in fact they could probably find more of a balance that's true that's true i have a client who recently became a widow um inherited some money and i'm having to convince her that it's okay to you know hire a handyman to help her around the house with some things to, mm-hmm. you know, go up to New York for a weekend and see a show. She's so used to not being able to do those things that it's really a change of mindset for her to spend. And she's, there's still going to be plenty for her daughters. Yeah. So that definitely cuts both ways. And yeah. just again, going back to being aware of your behaviors and why it is that, 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 that you're, you're doing the things that, that you're doing and how that's influencing. That's, that's probably the first step. I saw on your website a, a, a Venn diagram that talked about uh, the two areas that you really ought to be thinking about, things that matter and then things that you can control, and then the area where those two things intersect is maybe where you should apply most of your focus. Yes. Yes, I borrow that from Carl Richards' Behavior Gap. He's got a lot of great Sharpie sketches that, that <laughs> kind of you know, distill these concepts down to super consumable ideas. But there are a lot of things that matter out there in the world, right? What's the economy doing? What's what's the politics of the day? You know, what's the stock market doing? But we don't have any control over those things. So if we can focus on the things that we can control, which is our behaviors and our mindset and our thoughts about things to some extent, um, you know, we're going to get a lot more traction over spending our time in those areas than worrying about what the external forces can do to us. And I think that that is such an important thing to be mindful of today and probably has been for 10 years. But when we have so much information and we're hit with so many different messages, what seems like 24 hours a day, people are competing for our attention and our resources. So being mindful of, okay, all this stuff is important, but what stuff can I control? And I need to be diligent in what I give my time and attention to. Yes, for sure. Because there's a lot of things that can just lead you down a rabbit hole of stressing out about things, but not, not making any productive headway. Yeah. A feeling of hopelessness probably, which yeah. when I say probably, I, I say that from absolute personal experience. When you look at a lot <laughs> of the stuff, it's like, man, I don't know that there's anything that I can do about this. Um, I know that it's important, but I'm not going to focus on it. So, <clears throat> um, well in the essence or rather thinking about money as, um, as a tool, and I saw this on your website as well, thinking about money as a tool rather and a means, not an end. would love to hear more about that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there's actually some research around kind of how, you know, writ large, obviously grand generalizations, but how women view money and how men view money. Um, And women do tend to see it more as a means to an end. It's not about accumulating money for the money's sake, but what can that money do for me, for my family? What can it make possible for our future, for our community? Um, and that, that, in my experience, has been a more meaningful conversation to have with my female clients as opposed to, hey, we're going to beat the market. We're going to get you to a million dollars. We're going to get you to two million dollars. They're kind of like, eh, you know, two million dollars for what? But when you connect it to meaningful things, that's when... You know, you get some more buy-in and some more engagement around these things that, again, are maybe simple but not easy. Got it. 
Yes, simple but not easy. <laughs> Sounds easy, does hard. Uh-huh. That, is, that 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 is certainly one of my favorites, and that's an interesting interesting um, conversation about how how men and women are different, if at all, in, in regard to money. Yep. Yeah, I know. I mean, I always take these things with a grain of salt, but there have been research studies, um, you know, for example, in the international development field, when people are looking at how do we improve the lives of um, very poor folks in, in other parts of the world, they've shown that, you know, if they give money to the men in a community, you know, they might spend it on their own, for example, business, but then their own enjoyment Whereas if you give money to the women in the community, they would spend any extra on the kids' school fees or on, you know, starting a co-op for the community. So there is some research to back that up. Oh, and I, I don't doubt that for a second. I think that I think that there, it, it would be weird if, if there were not differences between men and women in regard to money, because I do think that men and women are different. So, um, well, I, I love it. Is, are there certain do you have? I, I, I don't want to call it favorite, um, I guess, behavioral biases or uh, behavioral finance, how, how it manifests itself or things that you think are, are most common that sh- people should be aware of. Yeah, there's there's one that I think, you know, comes up all the time. And it's it's I think it has a couple different names, but one is recency bias. So, you know, the things that have happened very recently in our history, the things that we remember most vividly, we tend to project those forward and believe that that's going to continue, right? The stock market has been going down. Oh, I think that's going to keep going down. Or it's been super volatile recently. So I think that's going to continue. Or on the opposite side, you know, the markets have been going up, the housing market goes up, right? Oh, it's only ever going to go up because that's what I remember most vividly in my experience. Um, There's a great um, exercise that I do sometimes with, with groups when I'm giving a talk where, you know, I'll flip a coin and we'll flip the coin a bunch of times in a row and then ask people to guess what the next coin flip is going to be. And people tend to be like, Oh, it was tails three times in a row. It's going to be heads next time. Well, in actual fact, every single time you flip a coin, it's a 50, 50 chance. It's got nothing to do with the previous coin flip, but our brain wants to see patterns and wants to make guesses about the future based on what we've seen in these patterns. So that's something I think that's kind of helpful to be aware of when things truly are random, but our brain wants to impose a pattern on them. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that very much. The coin does not care that it happened to uh, have, have turned up one side over the other three times or five times or a hundred times in a row. It's still going to be 50, yep. 50. So I love it. Exactly. Well, Stephanie Savage nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? So I think the key is, you know, one of these facts of our life is that it's not polite to talk about money, right? We're not taught in school. Most of us aren't taught in our families about how to make wise money decisions, but also we're not supposed to talk about it. And yet that's a super way to learn and to kind of bring some awareness to your own personal situation and your personal patterns. So my tip is to find a money buddy. Find a friend, a family member, someone with whom you feel like you can get financially naked. You can share your anxieties and your dreams about money, share your beha- your behaviors and patterns and feel like you won't be judged and do the same for this other person and have that person kind of as a check-in, as a, a check-in balance. You know, 
call them up if you see some great thing on sale and they can be like, hey, wait a minute, you told me you were really trying to <laughs> save for your kid's college education. Oh, right. Thanks. Click. Um, you know, just someone externally to yourself who can help bring that awareness to what you got going on with your finances. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. I think that's so important. The the the, the more we can incorporate community and accountability, because um, I certainly need the help. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So my website is Sophia Financial. That's S O F I A Financial dot com, and on the various social medias, I'm at Sophia Financial. Love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Stephanie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to Sophia Financial and check out all the great resources that she has on the page as well as social media, and I'll list all of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Stephanie. Thanks, George. Take care. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there you can just go to the website i'll also list that in the notes of the show what's up savage nation please support the show by subscribing leave us a review and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it come on